Welcome to episode 104 of the Half Point for Podcast. I am your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and producer, Johnny Pham. Guys, it is it is great to be back. We, we've been off for a little over a month. Last we talked was free agency. I really thought we were going to go over a month between podcasts and Aaron Rodgers still be on the same team. But today, Aaron Rodgers has been traded. We will talk briefly about that. But we've got some rookie talk to get into that I am super excited about. And Dalton, I know you're a, a big-time draft guy as well. And as a man with a million rookie picks in our dynasty draft, you have to be a big-time rookie guy this year. Reload and rebuild. That's the name of the game this offseason. I think you flipped that order. I think it's re. I think it probably would be rebuild, then nope. reload. Nope. Okay. I like how I said it. But it's a very uninspiring draft class compared to previous years, so... Is it? We'll see how well we do. Is it uninspiring? Uninspiring for the needs I have. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Johnny, how are you doing on this fine Monday evening? Doing good. I'm glad uh, that the Aaron Rodgers saga is finally over with because I, mm-hmm. I truthfully thought this was going to be dragged out until either draft day or at least until after the draft. Like. If we got to after the draft, it would have gotten a lot more complicated. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like we were like teased by whenever Rogers went on McAfee's like he wants to be a Jet. I feel like that was like weeks ago or like so long ago to where I forgot and now uh-huh. just dropped the bomb. Like, okay, now he's a Jet. Like, it wasn't very anticlimactic, but I feel like his – the trade details are, are wild for like the swaps. Like, he has to play like 60%. Like next year, it's yep. it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, he has to play a sixty-five percent of the snaps for that first-round pick to convey. And why would they do that? To make sure that he doesn't get mad and retire like on, on a whim next year, and they're out of first-round pick. That is why they would do that. It's a it's definitely a a funny deal. And and yeah, I'm with you. When he went on McAfee and he said he wanted to be a Jet, like I in my mind had compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. He's a Jet. And as we're inching closer to the draft, I'm like, do I really have to think about Garrett Wilson if if it's not Aaron Rodgers as, as the quarterback? And obviously, it helps Garrett Wilson. It helps Brees Hall. It helps everybody on that offense. We can get into that more down the road. Um, Dalton, is there anything just generally you want to add on, on the Rodgers trade before we get to the real meat of the show here? I mean, I'm just glad it's over. Like, it's been an annoyingly long complex for a 39-year-old quarterback playing in a stacked quarterback division who had, like, a negative EPA per play last season, um, especially going onto a team. And he's renowned for being a guy who doesn't throw to guys he doesn't know anything about. So it'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds. And it's it just a very irritating little off-season drama we had to deal with. Uh, the contract looks really team-friendly, so it should be interesting to see what they try to stack around him. Other than what they have, maybe, you know, James Jones comes out of retirement or Greg Jennings tries <laughs> to play some snaps for him. I hear Jordy Nelson still in shape on his farm in Kansas. Well, is, is Randall Cobb a Jet yet? Has he? I, lo- I, I lost track of what, what happened. Isn't Mercedes that. Lewis, like, on his wrist list? I didn't know he was still in the NFL. <laughs> We're playing, like, that um, early 2000s boomer name game. Like, Yeah, all right. Like. Johnny, I know I mentioned this the other day. If you don't have uh, anything, it's fine. But do you have any – like NFL draft gambling things that, that you're looking at that you wanted to bring to the table today. I am. I I just saw one that looks pretty spicy, but it's going to be pretty questionable. But it is two RBs 
and five quarterbacks taken in the first at plus 250. Well, so you obviously know we have the the big four quarterbacks. Those guys are almost certainly going to be first-rounders, which, by the way, Will Levis, the favorite to be the number two overall pick, all of a sudden don't know uh, what's going on there. Um, smoke screen season. Big brain, would, tested well. Would would not recommend uh, for anybody from in my personal opinion, but you know, hey, whatever. Let's not spoil anything. But you know, outside of that, I think what's interesting is uh, you know our our friend Dalton Johnny. He he sent me a an ESPN mock draft this morning that was ESPN Insider, so he couldn't read it. So he made me like recap <laughs> a seven round mock draft to him, and one of the things in that first round was. Watch for Hendon Hooker to the Vikings. People have been texting him, Hooker to the Vikings. So I think there's a legit chance at five quarterbacks. And then if you do get five quarterbacks, then it really comes down to, can we get Jameer Gibbs in the first round? So it's not it's not a bad gamble to take, I, I don't think. Yeah, I, I think it's just like the Jameer Gibbs going in the first. I think that's probably the most risky part. But then it's mm-hmm. plus 250, not, not that bad of the odds. But also... The draft is in Kansas City this year. Are you, Don? Are you going to be there? I'm assuming. No, I prefer to watch the draft on TV so I can watch Twitter to give me all the picks beforehand. Uh, and mm. I work five minutes from where the draft is unfolding, and they've already cut off traffic to the entire area, and it looks like it's going to be a madhouse getting in and out. So you just uh, walk there if your office is right there. We're closing our parking lot. We left our parking lot open for the Super Bowl, which is at the same location, and. People couldn't leave work until like eight at night because there were so many people outside of our gates. So hard pass. This this was a real missed opportunity for HPPP to get credential to cover the draft to, to really get on the ground floor. So maybe we'll have to consider it next year. Maybe maybe a little road trip. Uh, but unfortunately, we missed the missed the bell in KC this time around. Where is it at next year? I have no idea. <laughs> I thought you. No, absolutely not. Have they even decided? <laughs> no idea. All right, so let's get oh, in. Oh, we're not going next year, boys. Where's that? It's in Detroit, Michigan. Oh, okay. Oh. Maybe maybe in two years. Oh. Maybe in two years. And maybe by then we can get legitimately credentials. Probably not, but fun to think about. All right, let's get into the actual topic of discussion. Thank you, John. Actually, John, do you have any other any other props you wanted to bring, or is that the one? All right, that's the one. Cool. Um, we're talking rookies, and like the thumbnail and title and podcast title kind of alludes to, this is really just a – just a nice little overview of some of the top guys at quarterback, running back, uh, receiver, and tight end. I, I want to be very clear about one thing, though. These are not our rankings. These are Fantasy Pro's consensus ranks right now. And kind of like last year, the reason we do that is we are in a dynasty league. I know there are people in our league who listen to this show. I know there are people in our league who will listen to this show or be more likely to listen to this show than another show because they think we're going to give away who we like. And we might to a certain extent, but we're not unveiling any ranks or any major thoughts on on these guys until after our rookie draft. So this will just be kind of a a meet and greet, if you will, with these prospects. Really get to know them, get to know the resume, get to know the skill set a little bit. But Dalton, I thought an interesting discussion to kind of start us off is what do you do with the running back position. This is relevant every year, but I think especially this year because this running back class is seen as as so deep that you have a lot of these guys who are on your dynasty rosters like a 
you know, DeAndre Swift, maybe a top end example, but a Damian Pierce, a Rashad White, Cam Akers, James Cook, Isaiah Pacheco, Khalil Herbert, you know, Brian Robinson or Antonio Gibson, if you still care about Gibson at this point, and Tyler Algier. Like these are all young running backs who have showed promise, who are a good positive asset to your dynasty team, but they're not good enough that they are safe by any means from either getting their workload eaten into or just flat out unseated, depending on who the team drafts. We, we can call this the, the Michael Carter syndrome last year, where Carter was a guy who was a top 15 to 20 running back. And then they bring in Brees Hall and Michael Carter is now dead to the fantasy world, essentially. So I'm curious what your approach would be with kind of just this thought exercise as a whole. And then we can get into more specifics if you want as to like what we would do with, with different guys. Cause for me, it's kind of a case by case, but curious what you think. Yeah. I mean, we can just jump right into it. It, it sucks, especially because the way the NFL is becoming, it looks like running backs are going to get churned out a lot more frequently. I've kind of realized the value. We saw that a lot this off season where even some above average players were getting subpar contracts. Hey, Evan, I don't want to cut you off because I see you're talking, but neither John or I can hear you, so I think your mic got muted. I yep, did. There you go. I did. I, I wish uh, wish we would have known. Yep, I was not yep. looking at private chat. That's on me. That's on me. Hand up. All right. <laughs> just doing a live podcast. Where were we? Where were we? <laughs> oh, that this is uh, a guy that I wanted to look at specifically. That I was, I was almost all the way through this point on on my end over here. Is, is Tyler Algier. Like, I think he is the number one candidate um, to have the Michael Carter um, effect this year. Part of it is because he is a, or the Falcons are a pretty popular B. John Robinson mock draft spot. You don't like to see that at number eight overall if you have Algier. Their coaching staff has not committed to not bringing in other running backs. They The way they've talked when given the opportunity, it does seem like, that there, there is a strong chance they bring somebody else in, whether it's Bijan, whether it's somebody later, we'll see. And then, frankly, I just don't think Algiers that good. I think a lot of people agree who who do the film work on this stuff that Caleb Huntley actually looked like as good or better, and a lot of guys could have done what Algiers did because he was running in a great running offense with a very good run-blocking offensive line. So he is like the number one guy that stands out to me is like he's in danger I would easily take a starting level receiver in exchange for Algier in a trade right now. Dalton, your, your thoughts on, on that and then just maybe how you approach trade strategy or not trading these guys a, at all. Um, well, it's certainly interesting in Algier um, because PFF graded him as like the highest graded rookie running back, which when you consider what Brees Hall did in six games and what Kenneth Walker did, towards the end of the season. Uh, I don't really agree with those ratings, uh, but that offense has already had a lot of coach speak coming out that they want a committee. Uh, you, you know, they, they're not going to follow the Derrick Henry method, even though they're coming from that Tennessee offense. And I mean, it's a run first offense. So Algiers numbers just look emboldened because they were willing to run the ball so much. I mean, there were a couple games the Falcons were down two scores and they still just ran the ball three times and went three and out. Uh, certainly he's a guy I'm looking to offload, we weren't big fans of him last offseason coming out of BYU either, just as a full disclaimer. Uh, 
as far as a lot of these other guys in like ambiguous situations, there are guys where I think it's a clear situation where you should sell. Uh, one of them being our boy in Detroit, DeAndre Swift. It's mm, I thought you were going to say Kalu Herbert, and I was going to say I kind of agree with that too, even though it pains me to say. Well, my reasoning with Swift is we've already seen a clear discomfort with using him, and the Lions are a little more set at a lot of positions that they can use draft capital on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just jumping to Herbert, I'm a little more ambitious about him just because the Bears have so many needs to feel that it feels like their front office is smart enough not to waste an early pick on a running back. They're certainly going to draft a running back in this draft at some point, but I'm hoping it's later in the rounds and it's a guy that Herbert can outcompete against. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, just looking at this list, another guy I'd probably be incredibly worried about. I'd be worried about the entire Washington backfield. Mm-hmm. It feels like in most of the mock drafts that Bijan falls in that territory, and Washington just really seems to want to take a running back there. Um, Brian Robinson had an inspiring comeback from injury, but that was about it. This is also the same head coach that had Jonathan Stewart and Tolbert, the cookie monster, and ran like this two running back offense 10 years ago in Carolina. And I think he's fine doing that again. Um, and Antonio Gibson, for whatever it's worth, just can't get off the ground. I think mm-hmm. Memphis might be our fool's gold of running back at this point. <laughs> well, Tony Pollard, you know, they've, they, they, they've still got some good ones. And in the NFL, no Memphis guy this year. Disappointing. How many straight years have we gone with with the Memphis guy being, being involved? But, yeah, I, I think – you know, it's a very case-by-case thing. I'm not just looking to unload these guys and, like, panic selling, especially before the draft, obviously, because we don't know landing spot. But we don't know what the situation or what the outlook is going to be post-draft. But I think the kind of the bigger lesson I learned with Michael Carter last year as a Michael Carter dynasty manager is if you have a running back that just, like, really think honestly about this player's skill set, and their level, the level of player they are. And if you can tell yourself, I don't think this guy is one of the best 10 to 15 backs in football, you should be very open to, to trading him at a fair market value. And depending on your league, like our league really overvalues running backs. I think a lot of leagues probably really overvalue running backs because it is the most scarce position outside of tight end. It's the still probably the most important position just from a a day from from a weekly setting your lineup standpoint you want to have that position locked down because it's so so thin obviously so yeah I, I think just my wider takeaway is I'm I'm very open to selling these guys at price I think the only one who I'm kind of panic selling but definitely not letting online panic selling is again Algier because I'm I wasn't a believer last year I'm still not a believer I think Rashad White is like a a uh close number two though on this list for me i i mean i don't think rashad white's good Leonard fournette in like every statistical category last offseason or last season outplayed rashad white in epa per play and receiving and yards per touch uh and Leonard fournette was washed that offensive line has gotten significantly worse this offseason baker mayfield is playing quarterback uh and again I've talked about this with you offline, but it looks like Arizona is a really good program to making running backs look good. They have the running back that's in the draft this year, like Xander Valdez or something mm-hmm. has the exact same stat line as Rashad Light last year, but we're not hearing any draft buzz. Uh, and I think a lot of the reason for that is the way Arizona deploys their run game. The guy that we didn't have on this list that I think is interesting, at least to talk about who could take a significant hit in their long-term and short-term value is Austin Eckler. Yep. I know he's been a, 
mentioned as a prime trade candidate. Uh, I've, I've got to go ahead and say there's nowhere else better he could play football right now, just the way yep. they utilize him. Uh, but for two straight seasons, the Chargers have been saying we want another guy behind him, and everybody behind him just sucks. They just can't Isaiah find anybody. Yeah. So I think the Chargers are going to go out there and get another guy with the trade contract disputes between Eckler and the team, as well as their insistence that they need another back. I mean, Eckler's done amazing last two seasons, and you shouldn't sell him for pennies on the dollar. But uh, another top five RB performance from a guy who weighs sub 205 uh, at age 28 is getting – you're getting up there, and you're really risking a lot. Yep, agreed there. And just real quick on White before we move on um, to the rookies, I, I bookmarked this thread specifically – for, for this topic on Twitter from Ryan Heath on Twitter. Rashad White was 52nd out of 67 running backs in explosive play rate, 57th in yards after contact per attempt. He was stuffed the 12th most often. In the passing game, he was 1.2 yards per route run, which was 32nd, which was actually worse than Fournette, which is a little bit disconcerting. Uh, White was also 61st in yards, um, yards after catch per reception. Again, Fournette, 31st in that same offense. So... Yeah, I, I don't think Rashad White is like a slam dunk by any means. And if they were to bring in another guy, could be uh, potentially harmful for, for his stock. So, yeah, I think it's a worthwhile discussion, though, because it's definitely something that I think quite often about after what happened with Michael Carter, who we all thought and still I still think is, is a good player, but just is behind now one of the best backs in football. And, you know, with that said, let's just – transition right into this we'll, we'll start a little out of order at running back just to make sure we get running back and receiver first and then we can kind of hustle through quarterback and tight end if we have to and we'll start at the top Dalton with, with B. John Robinson out of Texas now I don't know what we really need to tell anybody who's listening to this podcast about B. John Robinson I mean he's the consensus number one overall guy in all rookie drafts, pretty much even if you're in a super flex, he, he is right there with the quarterbacks, which is rare, which is rare in a rookie draft. He had almost 1,900 total yards last season. He gets the Saquon comp physically a lot because of his elusiveness, his vision, his power, his acceleration out of cuts and just everything. Great, great body build, good decision maker. Man, I, I know it's KU. I know KU played terrible that day. I will never forget watching him live in Lawrence last year, though. That run he had, I know that you guys know the run I'm talking about, where he juked Kenny Logan and scored the touchdown. That was right in front of me. It was like, whoa, like th- this guy, this guy is just different. And the conversation around Bijan isn't really how he compares to others in this class. It's how does he compare to Nick Chubb, to Saquon Barkley, to Todd Gurley? Like it's it's comparing him to past great prospects or guys like you know, for Chubb, Chubb wasn't everyone's top prospect, but it's obviously turned into one of the best guys in football. So it's comparing him to that caliber of player. Dalton, any, anything more to add? And do you have uh, a hot take such as like Jameer Gibbs or insert other running back on this list here should be considered at least on the same tier as Bijan, or is he clearly on a plane by himself? Yeah, I mean, I think Bijan deserves to be on a plane on his own for what he did in Texas. He was far and away one of the best players in college football. And the Texas offensive line for all the blue chip players they get, PFF ranked them 42nd out of 180 qualifying offensive lines. So they weren't the greatest. A lot of these other guys, including Jameer Gibbs, who's right behind him, ran behind significantly better offensive lines. Put Bijan with Kansas and see what he does. And I see mean, what he does. The people are saying, just put, the put, people. Him, put him with Kansas and see what kind of numbers he puts up last year. 
And he also played on a QB carousel and still, like, he was the main weapon. I mean, it's hard to name one wide receiver on that offense. Uh, Bijan just was the guy last year. He did it. He Xavier Worthy, which, by the way, talk about uh, not short kings, but small kings, as a lot of the receivers are this year. He's going to be a small king in next year's class, but go on. Yeah, and I just it looks like he's as athletic as Saquon, but he has a better understanding of football. Saquon coming out as a prospect was not willing to run between the tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like Bijan's willing to do that. He's not going for a home run hitter every game, which is what led to like this DeAndre Swift downfall that we've seen. So he's a smarter back and he has like some of the best contact balance of any of the guys the last couple of years mm-hmm. where when he gets hit, he stays upright. He's not oversized. And he's like that right in that happy zone. He's like 220 at running back right around 510. It's just what you want out of a guy. There's really not that much you can say about him. That's negative. Yeah. I mean, outside of the Saquon comp, I know Matt Waldman has thrown around like Saquon Barkley um, fused with Reggie Bush as a comp. Uh, I know some people have thrown out. He's just like basically Brees Hall, but better, which is awesome because Brees Hall proved to be one of the best backs in football last season before he got injured so yeah Bijan's awesome we can move on Jameer Gibbs was the number two guy in uh fantasy pros he is the pretty clear-cut number two guy in almost every place you look um at least that running back I, I think between him and and JSN overall two three is up for debate perhaps but Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama he is a transfer from Georgia Tech transferred up to Alabama this season he is just elite in the passing game and kind of a little bit of a DeAndre Swift in the good and bad ways as a runner and as a playmaker. But Dalton, what what are your thoughts on Gibbs, who was Alabama's home run hitter on their offense last season? It wasn't a receiver. It was this guy. Yeah, I like Jameer Gibbs a lot. I'm really getting annoyed with the Alvin Kamara comps because I don't think him and Alan Kamara have a ton of similarities other than the fact that they are better pass catchers than they are runners. Their similarities come in their production profile, but not really as players. Like he's 15 pounds lighter and he doesn't have the the contact balance that Kamara has, but like nobody has the contact balance that Kamara has. So that's not a shot. Yeah. And that's a pretty aspirational comp to have for any player. I feel like, Um, but I, I don't think size is a concern with Jameer Gibbs. We've seen smaller guys do it in fantasy He's certainly a proficient pass catcher. He has a better route tree than a lot of running backs coming out of college. He's, I don't think he's ever going to be like that 25 touch a game player like Jonathan Taylor is, no. but he doesn't need to be because he is a home run hitter. He has top in breakaway speed in this class. He was the fourth fastest running back clocked at game speed. And that was also an sec play where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the boxes are a little more stuffed and they're definitely playing for him. So yeah, he, he ran, guy, ran, ran a four four three six forty. So obviously, uh, put in a good time at the combine too. Yeah, and he's a guy where I think he's pretty landing spot independent. He's going to be playing at the very least as a third down back to start. Uh, looking at PFF, he was the third best uh, pass blocker in this class, mm-hmm. but only had two guys above him. And so I just think going forward, he's a pretty quickly start and forget about a player in fantasy. I do think he has a bit of a ceiling cap unless you see an insane touchdown season like we've seen back-to-back with Eckler. Yeah, like I, I think you mentioned the workload, and I know that's going to be one thing that people are concerned about because he weighs 199 instead of 200. So we, we don't get the, the good round number 200. His weight starts with a one, and that's always a concern at running back. But, you know, 151 carries was his most in college. It probably isn't crazy to say he won't be much more than that or even more than that at all. 
in the NFL, but he's going to catch a lot of passes. Like as long as the coaching staff he goes to isn't negligent in how they use him. Like he, he's a great pass catcher. He's a great route runner. He's the best route runner in this class. He can legitimately, you know, you, you think of like McCaffrey and Eckler as guys who can do things at the end of their route stem, like a receiver, like flip their hips and, and make actual moves that look like a receiver running routes like that. That's kind of what you get out of Jameer Gibbs. So I'm, I'm very sold on the passing game stuff be there. And yeah, I think even if he gets 10 rushes a game, he, he's going to pop a big play. He's going to get nice volume in the passing game. I like him as number two back in this class. I like him as a top three pick. I like him. Like you said, almost landing spot independent. Now, if he, I don't know. I can't think of an example, but if he ended up in a spot where San Francisco, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. You put anybody in San Francisco, I'm gonna have have big concerns and still, sermon. and still draft them very high and get burned by it. But but yeah, he he is gonna be a fun one. And then now to a guy who could not really be more opposite of Jameer Gibbs if he tried. That's Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA, formerly of Michigan, transferred over to UCLA for his last two years. I believe he is a thumper, and I don't mean that as a in a bad way. There's a difference between a thumper and a plotter. He's not a plotter, but he, he's a big back. He weighs 214 pounds, but honestly, from any highlights you watch, any scouting report you read, any breakdown you read, whatever, he just runs a lot bigger than that. If, if you if you come to tackle him, you better not you better not start up high because he'll probably run you over unless you're a linebacker. And even then you you might get put on your butt if you're not a big linebacker. Like he's going to run you over. This is a guy with good contact balance, good vision, not super explosive in turning the corner or with the long speed, but he is a really, really reliable pass catcher, not like a good pass catcher. Kind of in the vein of like the Learn Fournette, though, where you trust his hands. He proved it this year in college. He had 37 receptions. He came back and really improved upon that part in his game. Over 1,300 rushing yards, back-to-back years, over 1,000 yards. I heard the comp that it's like kind of like A.J. Dillon, but not like smaller A.J. Dillon. And that's kind of what I, I think of him as. is like what I hoped A.J. Dillon would be is what I think Zach Charbonnet could be in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think other than Bijan, this is the most instant starter in the NFL. But I think what we see from him his rookie season is going to be about the best we're going to have from him. My comp form was Jordan Howard. Uh, and I know some people like might scoff at that because of how Jordan Howard ended his, his career. Kind of he was a legitimately good running back. He posted like four 1,000-yard seasons. He had a multi-digit touchdown season. Like it's not a bad comparison. And Jordan Howard was a good pass catcher. He just wasn't utilized in that. I think that might end up being a gripe we have depending on the landing spot for mm-hmm. Charbonnet because, like you said, I think he has good hands. He's a good pass catcher. He can pass walk really well as well. Best the, in the, the class. Is- yeah, the issue is if a if a, a you know a coaching staff looks at him and says this is our between the tackles thumper, uh, he's going to be that role and he's going to get pigeonholed into it. And with the way the NFL is starting to move towards these running back by committees, I think he can very quickly lose out on that passing work. Um, and then just being a good pass blocker can always just be to your detriment when they're not going to be moving you out of the backfield, uh, especially if he ends up on one of these teams that have a trash offensive line. But I think out of all of these guys that we're going to talk about in the top five, other than Bijan, he's probably the guy you can draft pretty early in your rookie draft and put in your RB2 spot. Not mm-hmm. worry. Yeah. Um, we talked about Brian Robinson earlier. I think Charbonnet is a better prospect 
than Robinson, but I kind of think of him in that similar vein where it's like, I would not be surprised if wherever he goes, his coach just loves him right away because he he's a grinder. He, he gets the tough yards. He does those things that a Brian Robinson or a Jamal Williams or, or guys like that, uh, Damian Harris, like he does those types of things that coaches like it. He's going to earn their trust and be on the field. And he's going to be a short yardage guy because he has that in his game. I just think he has a little bit more to him as a prospect than all those players. And I, I, I think this could be a guy that, in addition to having a nice start as a rookie, like I think you're probably looking at a top 24 type of running back if he lands in the right spot here for a couple of years. He's a good player. Yeah, I think so too. And I think he's a guy that, you know, we talked about some players earlier who we could see immediately like their value drop. Like if he went to, I mean, Tampa Bay, it's not a sexy landing spot, but I think he immediately is the better player to Rashad White in this offense. And he's definitely the guy getting first and second down carries. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, he could end up somewhere like Minnesota and he'd immediately be competing for carries if the Dalvin Cook stuff carries out. Mm. With you there. Okay. One of the more interesting guys to me, because I I, I thought we all were kind of in consensus, but then I've seen a little bit of hate on Kendra Miller the last couple days. He's the RB4 on Fantasy Pros is Kendra Miller out of TCU. And I, I, Dalton, you and I have seen ranks as low as like RB15 the last couple of days. And the comp that Matt Waldman has thrown out with Kendra Miller is Lamar Miller. Just in that he does everything well enough to be a starter. He's not exceptional at any one thing, but he's the smooth runner. He's got power. Got He's got vision. He doesn't have a lot of pass catching um, production in college, but it's kind of one of those things where you watch him and it's not to me because he can't be, he's not a decent pass catcher. It's just, that's just not how he was used. That's just not how TCU used their running backs. And that's just one thing you have to be very wary of looking at these college running backs. Like with Kenneth Walker last year, he clearly proved in the NFL, he can't catch the ball, but he had like literally 15 receptions his entire collegiate career. So tough to judge that purely on production he honestly he's 5'11 215 so another guy that's ideal size he's kind of in that Charbonnet mold but maybe just a little more well-rounded and a little less uh high-end in, in certain areas that that Charbonnet is yeah well and especially towards the end of draft season we get into like this really annoying trait debate where if one guy especially at skill positions does something really really well then everybody likes to rank them higher because they do that really, really well. Mm-hmm. An example we'll probably talk about later is Jalen Hyatt. Like he runs in a straight I, I, line. I don't, I don't think Hyatt's actually on our list, right? Oh, He's okay. On our list. Well, the, I mean, he runs in a straight line really yep. fast. Um, so everybody wants to rank him really high. And then the guys who just do everything really well end up getting discounted for that. Uh, this is like an incredibly extreme example, but Justin Jefferson was a guy coming out of college who everybody was like, he doesn't have a, a quote unquote elite trait. And He's because slot of only. that, he, he, yeah. he got labeled slot only. Yeah. And you typecast these guys and Kendra Miller, I feel like is one of those players where he's just solid at everything. And a, a great example of a player who's solid at everything who can deliver top five seasons is Jamal Williams. That coaching staff put all of their trust into him. He became mm-hmm. behind a, an elite offensive line and a great offense. And he got huge touchdown equity because of it. And sometimes just having a player who's not an idiot and making stupid plays behind that line is a lot more, it's just better for you. And I think that's something Kendra Miller is going to have in the NFL. Mm-hmm. 
Devon A. Chain to round out the top five running backs in this class per Fantasy Pros from AM. And this is a guy that from Texas AM, excuse me. This is a guy that has legit world class type of speed. Track star at AM. Ran a 4-3-240 in the NFL combine. His concern is going to be size, like even more so than Gibbs. He weighs a buck eighty-eight. He he can't he can't even crack one ninety. Now I did hear someone, and Dalton, you may have heard this too, make the point on one of Waldman's recent podcasts that well, maybe because he ran track, he it was a true 50-50 split in college. Maybe now that he focuses all, all of his workouts, all of his weightlifting routines, everything on football, maybe he can put on weight. That's obviously that is definitely in the remains to be seen bucket um, for HM because he reported at 188 in the combine. So I, I don't know what he weighed in college, but I would – be hard pressed to think it was much different, but this is a guy who is instant acceleration can be terrifying as a one cut runner, not super creative. You know, the mock draft, the ESPN mock draft this morning had him going to the dolphins. I think that Shanahan type of running scene would actually be a very good fit for Devon a chain. What, what do you think of uh, a chain, his skill set, and the, the size concern with him? Yeah, and I'm not like a huge weight watcher with these positions, especially because I think the NFL is moving towards this. Like linebackers are getting smaller. You're getting penalized for more aggressive hits. Uh, we've seen players like Devonta Smith, who had huge size concerns, come and just be immediate stars on their rosters. Uh, but I do get worried when a guy is like this far off the spectrum. 188 pounds at running back is not good. You you get hit every play. I do agree with the concept that he probably not unless you on. run too fast to get hit. Yeah, I agree with the concept that he can probably put on some weight in the NFL after not playing track for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's probably going to be a special teamer, so he's going to be a guy that's always on your team's starting roster, which is something you like to see, especially with where he's probably going to be going in your rookie drafts. He has home run hitter speed. Uh, And I I think a good comp for him is Raheem Mostert, especially if he can put on a few pounds. uh, And just hopefully he won't spend his career like Raheem Mostert injured. And then he could really be a, a good player for you. I think, again, just like with Jameer Gibbs, he's like a 15 to 17 max. Mm-hmm. He also, though, I mean, he outcompeted Isaiah Spiller last season when Isaiah Spiller was there. And yep. Spiller w- was a, a pretty early pick for running back in the draft last year. For the yep. Chargers. I'm glad you brought that up because I was about ready to say the same. You know, last year he had 910 rushing yards, 261 receiving, and he was the back that people were more excited about on that roster. Now, Isaiah Spiller, he comes back, gets more of a full workload, 196 carries which was about 70 more in the previous year, up over 1,100 yards and, and 36 receptions. The yardage was a little bit down, but he came back and improved it more as a workhorse guy. And he he's definitely been a guy that's been on the radar for two years now. So, yeah, I and it's no coincidence that Dalton compares him to Raheem Mostert because, yeah, I, I do think that he'd be a great fit in that Shanahan style offense and we'll be very curious if he doesn't go to like the dolphins or you know whatever the 49ers i guess like what he looks like in an offense that doesn't necessarily emphasize the one cut um stuff quite as much but yeah Dalton, anything else to add on the a-chain before we switch positions here it's just funny where we come from a year like last offseason charbonnet was uh somebody draft twitter was incredibly sad about not declaring early yeah coming and same with I chain like the the knocks on Isaiah Spiller were 
well, he was running behind this guy. This guy's the real NFL prospect. And now that they're in the draft, everybody's like nitpicking the silliest things. Like Charvet doesn't have breakaway speed. Odd chain's too small. And it, it, I, it's just annoying. And I'm sure we're already going to be hearing about who these guys are playing, who's going to declare next year, who's going to be great. It's the same thing with JSN, where we're suddenly discounting him as a slot-only guy, despite the fact that two season, two years ago we watched him put up 250 yards. And we'll get to him next, I'm sure. To be fair, he played two games last year. Uh, so there, there's at least a little bit of unknown with JSN. But yeah, let's jump right into it. Let's hop to receiver. Jackson Smith and Jigba, we'll refer to him as JSN for the rest of this conversation as will we probably on the rest of uh, the podcast where he is featured. He is JSN uh, from this point forward on this show and probably on every other show as well. He is pretty much the consensus number one receiver if you are just looking at like dynasty fantasy ranks. I think if you look at real life, like NFL draft ranks, there's a little bit more, it's a little bit more contentious, but I think more and more people even there have come around to JSN as being the top guy. And thankfully it's for a little bit more than, well, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson both said he was the best guy when, when they were there. So he, he must be the best guy in this class, but he just really has an interesting profile. If you look at him, he played three games and had just five receptions last year. He had the hamstring injury that cost him basically the whole season, uh, hardly saw the field as a freshman. So we have one year where we're really, you know, able to actually take stock of what kind of player he is. And he was dominant, to say the least. 95 catches, 1,600 yards, and nine touchdowns. Produced more than Olave and Garrett Wilson in that same offense. He was mostly on the inside 83% of the time in the slot and 80% off the line in his reception perception profile that, that Matt Harmon did of him. But he's a very good route runner, can shift gears. He's very patient, sets everything up. He knows how to work a zone pretty decently. 75% success rate versus man, which is the 86th percentile um, in reception perception. Harmon says that would have ranked second in last year's class behind his former teammate, Chris Olave. And, you know, I think the knock on him outside of not, not being an outside guy for sure is probably the long speed with him. He's not the fast. I think it was like a, a, a four, four, six, four, forty or something like that. Well, his the real concern it is three cone. Yes, yeah, ten. yeah, yeah. It was uh, like defensive lineman caliber, but yeah. he he's just such a good technician that he's still able to win on on deep stuff because he's able to keep you know secondary guys guessing. But it, it's JSN, your your number one guy, without giving away the order of, of the rest of the class for you. Just number one guy. Is it JSN or is there? Somebody else, and again, you don't have to name names at this point, that, that you would have in, in that conversation. I think he is. I mean, he is the most sure thing of a lot of potential landmines in this wide receiver class. Mm-hmm. Like, we learned last year, I really hope a lot of people caught on to this, in the last couple of years, is that, like, one of the most important qualified metrics for what a good receiver is is separation and he, he does it the best in this class, as you talked about. He would – I mean, the big concern for me would be the hamstring injury. We've seen those carry over year to year and being one of the more consistent, easy-to-identify injuries. Look at Keenan Allen and the number of hamstring injuries he's had in his career. And it's funny because his his player comp is probably Keenan Allen, too. Yeah. So just yeah. another similarity. 
Uh, and I don't like this, like, qualifying a lot of players as slot only. I mean, I know Justin Jefferson's a crazy example, but it's also – it almost feels derogatory, and Cooper Cup is almost a slot only player as well. Yeah, and he just the had, like, the triple crown. Yeah, and he had the triple crown. So it's, like, we we treat these as, like, derogatory remarks and that playing outside is a good thing, but the way the NFL is going, I don't think that's necessarily true, especially with this cover two uh, just delusion we've seen over the last year. The guys like this who separate in the middle are incredibly valuable to a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. And then guys who are speedsters on the outside are just getting taken away by bracket coverage. So I'm not going to be the one just to immediately discount Jason for that. And again, like what he did in that Rose Bowl game is is something that you can't take away. I'm willing to forego last season. He had a hamstring injury and then he didn't play. Uh, and I mean, that room he was in was, Marvin Harrison Jr., who's probably the consensus wide receiver one next year. Yep. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who are probably consensus top 15 receivers in the NFL already. I mean, it is a, and then and there, then that's the same there, room that Jameson a, Williams. And there's another kid who's there that I'm not even going to attempt to say his name, but he's very good too. Yeah, that room. And then he, I think we can also agree that Brian Hartline, former Browns uh, wide receiver, might be one of the best developmental coaches or yeah. scouts in the in the college football like altogether so i'm not worried about him he's my number one i would take him wherever i can i might even take him over jameer gibbs if we're doing non uh, two quarterback league rankings yeah he it's definitely um an argument a legit argument for sure and yeah i think you know he'll probably be used more in the slot and he'll probably be at his best in the slot but i think he'll prove good enough on the outside to be able to go out there and and do some things and, and be an engine um, and be uh, like the main cog of of a passing offense. But, you know, if you get too bent out of shape about size or lack thereof, this is not the receiving class for you, let me just tell you. Because after this, we, we start to get into either some size concerns or some other concerns. And we'll start with Jordan Addison out of USC, formerly of Pittsburgh, won the, is it the Bolitnikoff, um, mm-hmm. his, his sophomore year at Pitt transferred the USC had a little bit of a down year just production wise after he basically was right there with JSN 1600 yards as a sophomore was down around 800 900 the next year part of it was injury he missed a couple games and maybe played through some injury as well and then he was just you know there were more options at, at USC than there was at Pitt so that's definitely a factor too he's not the shortest guy in this class 511 he might be the skinniest in a buck 73 I I know receivers are coming smaller, but Dalton, the buck seventy three is just really really small. It's, I mean, that is getting up there with worrisome. The thing is, he doesn't get hit that often, which mm-hmm. is what you like to see. He has the second highest elusive rating of any wide receiver in this class, and the third highest yak, which are two things you like to look for. He also separates really well, which, like I said earlier, I think is a really determining factor on how you do in the NFL. What I do think is funny, just as a side note, there are three wide receivers in this draft class who won the Belikov Award. Uh, one of them is in the top five and two of them are not in this top five. The other two being Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee and then Keishon Booty from LSU, who both have fallen out of the good graces. And usually like yeah. that would be a pretty good barometer for who you would want. Uh, and you'd think this would be a loaded wide receiver dra- draft class to have those guys not in it. Uh, but I think Jordan Addison he he's another guy that's getting this slot only treatment because of his size. His downfield speed is incredible. He's probably the fastest in the draft class. 
I think he deserves a little more accolade. I also think when you get these guys in an NFL locker room, it's easy for them to put on 10 pounds. I'm not going to like overweight how how much a player weighs right now, especially when a lot of these players drop pounds at their pro days so they can run faster yeah. because we know that a lot of the NFL scouting is just like how fast is your 40 time? How fast is your 10 cold? Yeah, like that's why JS, JSN was falling in rankings because he was – his 10-yard rush was like 1.8 seconds, and everybody was throwing up a fit about that. Yeah, well, especially with receivers. How many receivers have we seen go high because because they're fast? When, would you say he is the fastest in the class? Like, what do what you – because he, he's definitely not, not – His 10-yard. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was going to say, he's definitely not from like a long speed. The, the no, fastest no, no, sorry, his 10-yard. Yes, he, he is very, very twitchy. He – he has the suddenness as a route runner that JSN has, you know, probably to a lesser degree, but he's a lot more twitchy, kind of like uh, a Zay Flowers that, that we'll get to, Josh Downs, as far as that goes. Good footwork, acceleration out of his routes, all that stuff. Um, I think it's interesting. The comp he gets a lot just because of size is a guy you mentioned, Devonta Smith. Um, a lot of people, I, I, most people, Matt Harmon, you know, other experts will, will take Smith in a landslide there. Uh, Matt Waltman actually kind of likes Jordan Addison more than Devontae Smith, which I don't know if I, I don't think I agree with that, but it's just out there. So j- just something to be aware of. His issue is he is 17th, uh, 17th percentile against press coverage on a pretty decent sample size. So that will be a problem for him in the NFL, but he's pretty good against man, about as good as JSN against zone. So he won seven of his nine contested catch situations in that same sampling too. So a good player. I think he's a pretty safe bet to be a wide receiver two slash three type of guy. And then the upside, you know, it's kind of just what whatever your flavor and receiver is as for what you think his upside is. Yeah. Uh, my car alarm's going off, so I'm going to mute and let Johnny take over our third guy and I'll be back. <laughs> All right. Dalton's going to go take care of that. Um, wow. Johnny, my third guy. Our third guy is Quentin Johnston out of TCU. I know a guy that you're familiar with watching him play against KU. You know, in a draft class full of tiny guys, he's the guy that stands out or one of the guys that stands out at the top um, for being big. 6'3", 208. But you can make the argument he plays smaller than some of these small guys. His contested catch it stuff is truly awful. 46.2% an 8.1% drop rate per reception perception. He's like a little bit Chase Claypool-ish in in that way, which isn't great. You, you don't love that. And it's also something that's going to be tough maybe to coach him out of, but we'll see. I think landing spot for him is going to be huge for that reason, to be honest, um, to to get him coached out of some of those bad habits. Like he'll, if you watch his highlights, he'll, he makes some great jump ball catches, but like Claypool, he'll just jump when he doesn't even have to. And it's like, man, like, what are you, what are you doing? But the thing that really, really makes him an interesting player is he shows some stuff that just physically other guys in this class cannot do. 85th percentile success rate versus man coverage, 12th, 12th percentile versus zone, by the way. So he has to work on that. But he is like Kadarius Tony, Garrett Wilson, Rondell Moore type of guy in space, like yards after the catch. But he's 6'3", 
208 pounds. So he's definitely he's very large human being. He's a very large human being that it's just, again, I know it's KU, but John, how, how many missed tackles did he force against KU in that game in October? See, I think every single catch he had, had at least one missed tackle on it. And to be honest, like I, Quinn Johnson wasn't even on my radar as mm-hmm. like someone who's going to light us up. And I think he had like 14 catches, two yards, <laughs> three touchdowns. I think we were at that game, weren't we? Or I was. I was okay. for sure. I knew someone was there, but it was horrendous to see. Yeah. It, it was like, we just can't do anything. And like, it's not like our secondary safety was bad, but he just did unreal things to where I was like, oh, okay, he we're done for. Like, he's going to be in the first round next year in the NFL draft, but he is just unreal with things he's done but i think he brought up a good point like if he is brought into a, a good team a good system to where you'll coach him out of those bad habits where he's just like jumping four feet in the air when like no one's around him like you could have mm-hmm. got like 15 20 yards of extra yak if you just didn't do a brand head like jump but he yeah he's just a freak at six three it's it's insane mm-hmm. yeah and he you know matt Harmon has a stat uh, it's called in space routes, which is basically the percent of your of your routes that the, the team schemes up for you to catch the ball in space. He broke a tackle on forty percent of his in space routes, which again that's like on par with Tony, with Garrett Wilson, with Rondell Moore. The comp the comp that he gets from from Harmon is Christian Watson, which you know just, you think of this guy who needs some fine tuning, but has all of the physical traits that that you would want. It's just can he get some of the little things, right? Dalton, any thoughts on, on Quentin Johnston? Yeah. Sorry about that, boys. The youths were playing football and just touched the car with the football. <laughs> no worries. These damn kids. Um, speaking of these damn kids, Quentin Johnson is one of those players that I feel like he's one of the most divisive. He reminds me of Jordan Pickens last year Yeah, where either you really love him in this draft or you really hate him. I saw a tweet earlier today from, a fantasy content creator that said, if he's not in your top three, then you should give your fantasy card up. <laughs> he is not a guy that I think he has all of the aspects of a player who could be a legit difference maker. His yak is up there with some of the best. Um, but what's funny is his missed tackle rate is not up there with a lot of like the guys who are, who are really good at getting yak. He just had a lot of really long catches that broke away. Like he just catched it over guys. He's, he is a hand clapper which is always concerning, like whoever he goes to in this draft, you better hope they can develop wide receivers who can catch because that's his biggest concern. Um, and there is a guy who had all the physical traits who can catch really deep balls who's in the NFL right now. Uh, and I think his floor scenario for Quentin Johnson is probably the same, and that's Gabe Davis. I think that those two have some very striking similarities and mm-hmm. could be uh, some fantasy fool's goal for a while. Yep, he's a guy that if you have multiple first-round picks in your dynasty rookie draft, he's a take a safer guy with your first pick, take a shot uh, for the moon with with your second pick type of guy if if you like him because he he definitely has the upside. All right, Zay Flowers uh, out of Boston College. I think he's a four-year guy. Did you know he is the eleventh out of fourteen children? He has. 13 brothers and sisters learn that in the beast shout out dane brugler uh covers everything about these guys lives um it seems like the intangibles with him check out incredibly well and on a surface level you can you can see it he stayed at boston college there were stories about how much money he was offered to go play elsewhere and he didn't and again he has 13 
brothers and sisters, and he doesn't come from like a well-to-do family. So he definitely had family he was probably taking care of this season from, from what I've read, it sounds like. He's very quick, very fast, very sudden out of his breaks. A good route runner, not a JSN or probably even Jordan Addison type of route runner, but just his explosiveness as a player makes him a very effective route runner. His issue, like some of the others, he's 5'9", 182, and he does not even have a long wingspan to, to make up for for the height. Um, yeah, and on the intangibles, though, outside of just staying at Boston College, I was listening to uh, a guy, ta- a draft guy talk about him. And it's like this dude was still playing really hard for a Boston College team that was 3-9 and nine in the second half of, of blowouts. So, like, the concerns that people may have about, like, you know, Keyshawn, Keyshawn Booty, it's the opposite with, with Zay Flowers. And he's just a well-rounded guy in reception perception. 74, 59, and 79th percentile against man, zone, and press coverage, respectively. He played every position. He was in the slot. He was on the outside. He can do it all. The comp I've I've seen for him most commonly is Deontay Johnson. Good receiver. He's small, can move around, maybe kind of a bonehead at times. I mean, he not as bad as Johnston, but he definitely has some hands issues outside of size that are probably his, his other big concern right now. Yeah. I think Zay Flowers is probably the best receiver in this class with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Uh, he's really good and twitchy. The, the issue is he's five, nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely not going to be your contested catch guy. He's going to have trouble working on the boundaries of the field. Uh, so those are some concerns for him. Additionally, it is he just, was, would you be surprised to learn he was, in the reception perception sampled games, 93% contested catch rate. I would be surprised. I would wonder how many catches are in that sample, though. I don't know. And it's obviously against the ACC, not the NFL. But just worth noting, in, the, in college, yeah. he he was a pretty good contested catch guy. Despite the short arms and small catch radius and not being tall, he, he kind of defies his own metrics in that way. Yeah. And the other just – it just sucks. He has really good – like profile from a statistical standpoint and you just don't know how good this player really could have been because it's Boston college. And I mean, that team was just, you want to talk about Kansas football being bad. It was Kansas football level bad. Um, And it's really hard to get a good grasp on him, which is going to, it's not a knock on him, but I can understand people taking guys who played in different and more competitive situations that you have a better idea of what their profile looks like. Mm -hmm. In the same conference who, who has played, in more competitive situations and on good teams is Josh Downs out of North Carolina. He'll get the slot only tag. I think it's deserved. And while it may limit the upside, it may not necessarily be a bad thing for him as a player. Like it just really is all about what is his upside. Really? Is it Tyler Lockett or is it Jamison Crowder? Like when you're looking at slot guys, uh, another small guy, five, eight, So he's even lighter then Jordan Addison, obviously three inches shorter, but he probably he's up there. Him and JSN are the two best route runners in this class. I think Josh Downs, 87th percentile against man coverage, 86th against press coverage. A, a very small sample to be clear. He kind of looks like he could profile as a very good red zone guy. Like if you want to have some fun, go, go look up, um, Josh Downs highlights and just watch him run 
a whip route over and over and over. He's really good. And by the way, the Zay Flowers contested catch thing, I had that number somewhere. It's actually Josh Downs, who's 93% contested catch rate. Oh, wow. Way smaller. For, for a 5'8 guy, I mean, yeah, he he played above his, his, his height, too. He has basically, for me, every trait you would want in a receiver for the most part. Like, he... He's not really great after the catch. Doesn't make guys miss as much as you'd like. But he has a lot of the traits you'd want in a receiver. He's just really small. So how how good can he really be when he's getting played in press coverage consistently in the NFL and can't get a free release off, off the line of scrimmage? 74% of his snaps were, were in the slot in college, and he was not getting pressed as often like he probably will in the NFL if he doesn't prove he can beat it. He's not quite like Zay Flowers where he was able to move outside and, and still win, too. Yeah, I like him. He's probably the guy I'm most concerned about out of these top five, though. Mm-hmm. I, and it really starts with the caliber of quarterback he played with and his production with him. He had really good seasons, but not great. And Drake May is like a consensus top five pick depending on what goes on in this next college football season. Mm-hmm. And then he had Sam Howell, quarterback, for his first two years, who yep. made it into the NFL as well. And when you have a guy who's not putting up, like, super stellar numbers with him and that he's just good but not great, I feel like we, he might be a product of the environment he was in more so than the, the skills he had. Yeah, I mean, his numbers are pretty good, though. You know, 1,300 and 1,000 yards, uh, 19 total touchdowns. Like, good, very good. It's not quite Addison or JSN. In, in their peak years, though. But good, not great. Yeah, and I would just hope with, especially his senior year with Drake May, you know, he's getting outcompeted by Zay Flowers, who didn't, I can't even tell you who Zay Flowers' quarterback is. <laughs> yeah, that's because he's not on this radar. He is uh, currently making a LinkedIn profile uh, as we speak, <laughs> get, getting ready uh, for the real world. All right, Dalton, let's move the tight ends. We will breeze through tight end and, and quarterback. We can start with uh, Michael Mayer. He is the consensus number one tight end in most places. I feel like huge frame, 6'4", 249 out of Notre Dame. He gets a lot of comps to Pat Fryermuth for his frame and just for his style of play. Big physical guy, not going to create the separation you see out of like the, the Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts type of tight end, but can just go up and bully guys and, and catch the ball that way. That's kind of how he plays. Not going to stretch the field, but going to just win in those physical, rugged ways over the middle. Back-to-back 800-yard seasons for Notre Dame. Led the team in yards and touchdowns in both of those seasons. And he's going to at least be the first or second tight end drafted. So he's going to have the draft capital to make him a worthwhile fantasy asset on top of that. Yeah, what this is a wild stat just to kind of give you an idea of the caliber of player Michael Mayer is. Uh, I'm stealing this from The Athletic, and I believe it was Dan Brugler. Uh, but in the last 20 years, 11 tight ends from Notre Dame have gone into the NFL draft, which is already insane. Mm-hmm. Um, among those tight ends, Michael Mayer is the leader in receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns, receiving yards a game, and yards after a catch. Um, like these are, And it's a blue-chip program that consistently gets top-tier players, and Michael Mayer has just been above and beyond the best. Uh, what's I would say he's probably the most complete tight end in this draft, meaning that he can block for you. He can play your X or your Y or your F or your Y uh, position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, I mean, he's really done it all against all levels of competition, uh, especially if you look at the USC game where he had like 150 yards and two touchdowns. He's definitely a good receiver. He can definitely block for you. Uh, 
and you can see when you just watch him play why he's the the, the top caliber tight end for a lot of people off this draft board. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And then the other guy who's right there with him, Dalton Kincaid out of Utah, he is going to be a guy that more lines up with the. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying caliber of player, just style. He's more of that receiving tight end, more of the can move to the outside, can play in the slot a lot and do really well. That that Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz type of mold. Um, the fact that he wasn't at the combine at all because he has a bad back could hurt his draft stock. Will be interesting to see how that affects his value. If he does slide in the draft and we find out his back is a reason why, that would be a, a giant red flag as if back issues caused him to to slip in the draft. So that is definitely something to watch. But he can pretty much win all over the field as a tight end. And he I think he he's going to be a very fun fantasy asset with with nice upside. His cons, I mean, he's got some stuff to clean up as a receiver, as a route runner, but his cons that will affect his real life NFL draft value are more to do with blocking than they are to do with receiving. So you hope he lands somewhere that has a second tight end that can do the dirty work while he does the fun stuff for fantasy football. Yeah. Um, and you said it all. I mean, he's definitely the best receiver of this class and hopefully he goes to a team that's not going to try to put him in line to block or they're just misusing him entirely. Uh the concerns with him, uh, he's 24 years old, yeah. which I didn't know. Like he is up there when you look at the age model uh, and the injury concerns. Uh, I, I'm not going to overblow him and say like it's career ending, but his medicals seem a little more concerning. He wasn't able to test this year at the combine because of it. Uh, and so I wonder, we'll see in the draft. I think if this is a guy that falls, his medicals with NFL teams probably came back pretty poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, again, those aren't huge concerns. Um, but he's not landing spot dependent, but his upside could really be embellished by having like a forward thinking NFL coach that's using tight ends in the way we're seeing them used more frequently. Like a team like the lions, as much as I think a lot of people would be excited for him to go there, they really need a guy who's going to block for them in line. And I don't think that's a good fit for him, but somewhere like Los Angeles, I mean, that, that, then his stock goes through the roof for me. I'm not saying he's completely landing spot dependent because I think he's a good enough receiver. He's always going to be able to get it done. Uh, the scary comp for him is Jordan Reed, uh, both because Jordan Reed was an amazing receiver, but also like the perennial on the IR player for you his entire yep. career. And so that that's one of those concerns I have for him. Yep. If you want to uh, have more fun with highlights, go look up Dalton Kincaid versus USC and the regular season game. I, I watched a lot of that game. That was probably one of the more impressive tight end performances outside of like everything Brock Bowers does that, that I saw this season. And speaking of Brock Bowers, his teammate Darnell Washington out of Georgia, the tight end three on this list, definitely the freakiest tight end in this class. He's the basketball player playing tight end from a body perspective, like Gronk like build for this guy, six, five, two sixty four. had a pretty decent season last year. The production's nothing special because he's playing behind the guy who a lot of people think is the next best tight end in the NFL or one of the next best tight ends and Brock Bowers, but he continued to show improvement as a pass catcher. And I do think a team is going to bite on him earlier than people think in the draft because of just the physical specimen that he is. And he does have the size where like, if the lions did draft him, I think they could probably turn him into a pretty reliable blocker and a pretty reliable red zone target that they would need because he's huge. 6'5", 264. Like he can be 
maybe like a ceiling comp would be Jimmy Graham, just from a red zone perspective, just go win eight jump balls and score 12 touchdowns this year. Like that, that could be his kind of ultimate upside. Yeah, this is probably like, first of all, it's an incredibly loaded tight end class. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if we we got that off our chest at the top, but this, he's probably one of the harder players to evaluate again because he played behind Brock Bowers, who I think would be the tight end one in this class. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It says a lot considering the quality of tight ends. This is probably the deepest class we've seen in a long time. Uh, I don't know if you saw this today, but. And again, we're so close to the NFL draft that a lot of teams are putting up fake fronts on who they're targeting to kind of get other people off their trail. But there was a report that eight teams have taken them off their board due to medicals. I have no idea hmm. what that that's about. But he's a player who, if if you've watched him block at the blocking drills, he was blocking better than offensive linemen. <laughs> he's he's moving that sled like with yes. ease, with ease. Yeah, I think we I think we've all seen that clip. And if you haven't, just look up uh darnell washington block and just see what you can find yeah and he leads his class in yards per target uh yards per route run yards after the catch and contested catch as well as yard separation per route run uh and again the sample size is smaller than just about everybody else in this class because he was playing behind brock bowers in an offense that really doesn't throw the ball a lot but i think it's important to just look at him as a player i mean he is everything you want in a tight end. He's huge. He's a former basketball star. Um, I like him a lot. He's probably a round two pick. There's some smoke that he might go late round one. Uh, teams back there like Cincinnati and Kansas City would be incredible landing spots for him. Uh, but Would not be thrilled as a huge fan if that's what they did with their first round pick, but yeah, neither here nor yeah. there. But for fantasy, I mean, he'd probably shoot up people's boards to like top ten. Yeah, I do think there is one guy in this top five that is more unproven than him, but we'll get to him uh, in a minute. Next guy, Sam Laporta out of Iowa. It feels like Laporta is very proven. He's had back-to-back seasons of 600 yards, and Iowa just has good tight ends every year that come to the NFL, seemingly at this point. I mean, even more so than Washington, he, he could maybe be a mismatch nightmare in the red zone. He doesn't have as much size, but he's a better route runner, better after the catch. And just a better technique as a pass catcher than Washington right now. Um, he's a fluid athlete. Here's something interesting about Laporta. He has one penalty in his entire career, and it was celebrating a touchdown. He does not have one like actual in-play penalty in his career. And he's playing in Iowa, where he is definitely being asked to run block. Now, I think the run blocking is something that he needs to improve from what I've seen, but He's just a very solid player and, frankly, a very tough player. He tore his meniscus in November, missed one game, and played in their bowl game like a month later. A lot of guys would have just shut it down, but, I mean, he he came back and, and played and and played well in their bowl game. So, yeah, Laporta out of Iowa. Obviously, Iowa has the rep, and he is uh, a guy who I think is a very, very solid prospect at tight end. Yeah, I think he – is solid and he is the if we're just going with my analysis because i'm being lazy at this point he's the kindred miller of the tight end class like he does everything well (laughs) yeah nothing great he's a guy that's probably going to get an instant starter spot learn really quick on the ropes but he in my opinion out of this tight end class he's probably the player with the safest floor other than michael mayer of course 
Um, but his upside, I think, is pretty capped. He's going to need a high touchdown efficient season. Uh, I, I'm not like super excited for him, but I think it's like an early third round dynasty pick. He he's definitely going to hit his value and could be a consistent producer for mm-hmm. ten to twelve years in the NFL. The guy I that hate evaluating Iowa players. I'm not gonna lie because that <laughs> offense is so putrid. Yeah, but they they have good tight end. They have George Kittle. You have uh, Hawkinson and Noah Fant. Like just in the last couple of years, they they yeah. they churn the tight ends out. Tight end you over there. Um, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. This is the guy that I think is the toughest eval in this entire class. For us specifically, because we're not breaking down film, we're not watching all twenty, all twenty-two. So we rely on other people for that. And I at least like to look at the box score, see what they've done. You know, this guy has six hundred and thirty-three yards and two touchdowns his entire collegiate career. Yeah, did you look at the fun splits for his first two games that he was healthy for this year? No, I did. Well, I do know he had one hundred and sixty-nine yards in two games this year, but he barely played as a freshman. And then his only full season of his career was as a junior. He was just a late bloomer to begin with. Didn't even get on his varsity football team until his junior year of high school. But he was the wide tight end in a very run-heavy scheme at Oregon State for a couple years. Also played behind a couple of NFL players at tight end there. So his targets were very limited, even as a junior in in their scheme when he was starting. But yeah, as a senior, he started off great and then got hurt missed the season he has i think two offensive touchdowns and he blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown so he has one special teams touchdown and two offensive touchdowns and this guy's a consensus top five to six tight end in this class but he's a physical specimen six five two fifty three a great athlete and people who do this for a living like him as a route runner so he's an interesting prospect it's just scary when he has such little proven from a statistical standpoint yeah, and part of his profile that I think excites people is he had 11 catches before he got injured in two games this year, and five of those catches went for 25 yards or more, yeah. which is just it, – it, I mean, it's insane that he can do that. He looked the part of a good tight end, albeit in a very limited sample size. Um, he's definitely going to be a shot in the dark on his profile and his injury concerns, but I like him. I think, you know, producing in that Oregon State offense – for what little he did, he looked good. I mean, 10, 11 catches for 169 yards, a pretty good breakout. And I think it puts him on the track for 1,000 yards in a college season, which is hard to do for any tight end. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, let's zip through the quarterbacks. We only have four. Uh, no disrespect, Hendon Hooker, but I don't think you should be a first-round pick. Um, Hendon Hooker, like 24, he's 25 years old. Be Speaking of old guys, he's he's the senior citizen. He'll be 30. Class. Uh, when his rookie deal's over, which is just insane. <laughs> what was the name of the quarterback? Was it was it Wheeler, Brandon Wheeler, oh, the guy from Oklahoma State? State. Who, who was the MLB who was, yep, the pro baseball player? He's like a twenty-seven-year-old rookie. He's barely younger than him, only by by a couple of years. But we'll start with CJ Stroud because he's the number one guy over at Fantasy Pros. I like this from the Athletic NFL podcast. This is from an NFL perspective, not fantasy, but. A little Joe Burrow-esque was one comp. A stronger-armed Dak Prescott was the other. Pretty high praise uh, from from both uh, Nate Trice and Robert Mays uh, on C.J. Stroud. I think he's probably the safest quarterback in this class. He's got the size. He's got the prototypical pocket presence, all of that stuff. He may not have the highest fantasy upside on this list because he doesn't run a bunch, but I think he's going to be a good 
quarterback in the NFL. Good decision maker, can go through reads, very, very accurate, which is where that Burrow comp comes from. And even though he didn't scramble much, everybody is going to remember that Georgia game, and for good reason. You know, 12 rushes for 34 yards, not crazy, but against that defense to grind out the important yards like he was, it showed a lot of people something that he hadn't really put on, on tape before. And they also threw for 438 yards, which think about what they did to TCU the week after that. So a very impressive game, a very impressive prospect. Dalton, any further thoughts on CJ Stroud? Uh, I will be interested to see what his dynasty value does after a lot of the conversations we're having now in the draft. I mean, there was talk that he could fall out of the top eight as recent as today coming from Mel Kuyper. Uh, And I know Mel Kuyper really shoots the shit this close to draft season. But if he fell out of the top eight, I mean, there have to be some concerns either we're not seeing or this NFL draft is just going as wonky as we believe it to be. I think the the nice and favorable comp for him is Kirk Cousins. Uh, I think that's a pretty fair evaluation. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's fair. I would say that's like a median outcome. Like that's like a median outcome for him. He could be a lot Kirk better than Cousins, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is good, man. Kirk Cousins. Um, you is take a, away the big game failures, and he's he's a pretty good. Yeah, if you just if you just take away all the important games he's ever played, he's pretty good. I love okay, that. he's Kirk Cousins, but doesn't choke in prime time. I was gonna say How does that one sound? Four hundred and thirty-eight yards and four touchdowns on Georgia. Yeah, he um, just doesn't choke in prime time. Yeah, I I mean he could end up being Kirk Cousins, but I would call that a a median outcome to slightly disappointing, uh, based on what I expect out of him. Like I personally. He's the safest quarterback in this class. If my job were on the line, he'd probably be my number one pick. Now, if I could just play Madden and take the guy with the highest upside, we'll get to that maybe in a minute. But next up, Bryce Young. Um, plays like a point guard is what Nick Saban says about him. Great anticipation. Uh, very, very good with the over-the-middle stuff for that reason. He is very undersized, though. Uh, Dame Brugler's draft guide, the beast said he will be the smallest quarterback in the NFL the instant he is drafted. Guys with his size, just we just don't see it at quarterback. He, he He's very small. Can he hold up to the amount of hits he's going to take in the NFL? And will he be able to get away with holding the ball as long as he does in college in the NFL? Because I think for anybody who's watched Alabama, when you think of Bryce Young, you think of like that Patrick Mahomes and just in college, that Johnny Manziel type of thing where this guy is extending plays, extending plays, and just making all of the right plays. But can he do that in the NFL? Probably not to that extreme. So we'll see how he develops um, otherwise. Like his arm strength, I think, is pretty pretty well known as average to above average. So not like any elite traits outside of that. But yet he he's like the clear favorite to be the number one overall pick right now. So. I feel like I am not missing something because I know Bryce Young is good. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He's awesome. But I I just – I really don't know why he's the clear-cut number one guy above these other two. But with that said, I do think he's a very smart quarterback and he's going to be very good in the NFL if he can stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, his favorite comp that everybody gives him is Russell Wilson because they're both short. Uh 
I think he's probably close. Think to about me. how thick Russell is with that flag jacket, though. He's a lot thicker than Bryce well, is ever going to. And be. I think I think the better comp for him, if you're just going with size, is Drew Brees because they're both very accurate passers. And young Russell Wilson was incredibly elusive and could move out of the pocket, which mm. benefits when you're behind offensive linemen. Yeah, and, and well, like Ky- Kyler Murray, similar size, but even small. Think about how small Kyler Murray looks out there. He's even smaller than Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, which it's really weird how far the NFL's come because these size concerns five years ago probably would have doomed him, at least not to be the consensus overall number one pick and the Panthers leveraging their entire future on uh, his tiny, tiny shoulders. So we will see <laughs> how he plays out. I, the concerning thing for me is he is going to end up in probably one of the worst offensive environments in the NFL right now. Like yep. you have Terrence Marshall, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Maybe they draft a guy. Sanders. It's like the like the fantasy graveyard over there. Like guys, we really wish were good who just didn't come. Well, this should not. Like really, <laughs> the guys there are just players we really wanted to be something who just weren't. And then there's Adam Thielen who couldn't, you know, do anything last year in Minnesota despite Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. drawing triple coverage. So he's definitely exciting. I think his rookie season is going to be tough. Probably not a good win total for the I think their win total set at seven and a half and I will take the under on that saying that now from the Panthers all right let's do these last two guys in about three minutes combined here Anthony Richardson out of Florida he gets tagged with the raw label immediately because he only has one year of experience as a starting quarterback I don't think he's raw I think he's inexperienced I think that's a key difference when thinking about Anthony Richardson the guys that watch film always come away saying he can do a lot of the high level processing that you need to a quarterback. And he like, you, you can see how he can grow into being even better at that in the future. The completion percentage, which is about 54% gets a lot of play. I think a lot of that is the Florida system, which is a lot of deep shots to bad wide receivers that he had to take last season. He, he processes the game. Well, Six four two forty four, literally the most athletic quarterback in NFL Combine history. A lot to like here, and a lot to like. He's going to be a fancy darling because he gets the Cam Newton comp because of what you can do as a rusher. I mean, he had one hundred and six yards and three touchdowns rushing against Utah this year. Yeah, um, he is a very exciting prospect, and it's very unfortunate he's coming a season after Malik Willis because mm-hmm. I think people look at the two of them and think they're the same player because they yeah. have deep deep arms and can run the ball. Um, but and they're not. They're, they're not. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, go watch some of the Florida games. I, like, it is literally go-ball city on this team, so, of course, his completion percentage is going to be low. Uh, this stat is coming uh, from Derek Brown on Twitter. Anthony Richardson has the lowest completions of – 10 yards or less of any quarterback projected to go in the first round in the history of the NFL. And then he has the lowest of tips. And those two are very important stats, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, this is also the same Florida team that misused Kadarius Tony, who looks to be a very good NFL player, who misused Damian Pierce, yep. who also looks to be a very good NFL player. And like just the last thing on him, uh, unlike the two people going top two, he started football very late, which means he got less work. And additionally, he didn't go to like these passing academies. So there's probably a lot of improvements he can make to his game where players like CJ Stroud and Bryce Young have probably got a lot more of their coaching potential coached into them in my mm-hmm. opinion. All right. One minute here on Will Levis out of Kentucky. 
uh, we'll we'll wrap this up where I started in saying I I don't see him as a candidate for number two overall personally, but he's six three two twenty nine has good physical traits ran for almost four hundred yards in twenty twenty one played a lot of this last season at less than hundred percent with a foot injury very bad ecosystem around him lost offensive lineman to the NFL lost Wayndale Robinson to the NFL they just weren't as good as they were in his junior season. But like, to me, this is the quarterback that should be getting the raw label, not Anthony Richardson. He, he's 65% completion percentage, but I think there are definite accuracy concerns with Will Levis on the short to intermediate to over the middle, especially type of stuff. He can throw the deep ball. He's accurate on the deep ball. He has a big arm, but I question the over the middle accuracy and just progression progression as a quarterback with him. Yeah, um, I just so we're aware, I agree with you largely on the Will Levis projections. Um, I do just want to do a little defense for him since he looks like he might go number two overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before October 1st, he threw for 296 yards, had 10 touchdowns and four picks. On October 1st, he dislocated his finger. And I don't know if anybody remembers that image, but his middle finger on his throwing hand was going like the wrong direction. <laughs> uh, then he got turf toe, which we've seen hamper even the greatest quarterback known to mankind in Patrick Mahomes. And then two weeks later, he sprained his AC joint, which is the same injury Justin Herbert had this season that clearly hampered his deep ball ability. So there's definitely like two years ago, he looked the part of an NFL prospect last year after October, he didn't. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to just him being injured. He scored really high on the S2, which seems to be a very important test of the NFL now. Mm-hmm. Wonder look out the window. Sorry, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> but I, I I think there is some defense to him. And I I think the Colts are a really smart organization, and they seem to be all in on him. So I, I don't know if there's something we're missing or if this is like a Justin Herbert situation again. It could be. He, he was like a consensus top pick, and then draft season started. He fell out of it. He's going to go a little high, and we're going to realize it, it's that situation again. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying it. He has the lowest EPA of any player in this draft class last year, so definitely some concerns there as well, but I, I'm with you. Yep, and that is going to do it for episode 104 of the Half Point for Podcast, an hour and 20 minutes and some change if you take out my 10-second microphone mute on on these rookies and all kinds of fun stuff we'll be back obviously nfl draft this thursday if you're listening this week we'll be back sometime post nfl draft maybe talk some landing spot winners and losers and then later on down the line um some rookie rankings perhaps but thank you all so much for listening and we will talk to you again very soon